Good evening, Cork. This is Radio UCC 98.3 FM. I'm your host, Manisha, and you're listening to My Life in a Suitcase. It's 4 p.m. in our studio, and today we have an amazing guest all the way from Belgium with us. And um, today it's it's a very special show because uh, our guest is on a WhatsApp video. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are going to talk about very interesting topic, something that I've been wanting to talk about for a very, very long time. And we have talked about this topic now and then. But today we are going to talk um, with someone who is knowledgeable enough, who has seen the one side of the coin. And today he'll be talking about the other side of the coin and what's happening in today's um, in, 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 in today's world. So I want to welcome Dr. Mark Janine. Hi, Mark. How are you? Hi, Manisa. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation. I try to speak uh, English, which is not my native language, but I try to do my best and I hope they understand me over there in Ireland in Cork. I'm, I'm sure they will and you are really, really good and thank you so much for giving us your time. It's really a privilege for me to have you on the show today. So, um, just a little bit introduction about Dr. Mark. He, he's going to introduce himself as well. But um, Dr. Mark is a very interesting part of my life. Um, when I was in Afghanistan, as you all know, I keep saying this to everybody that I am. I am from Afghanistan. And um, when I was the dean of dental school for a short period of time and before that a lecturer in the university, I've got the privilege to meet Dr. Mark um, many times in Herat, Afghanistan. Um, he has been part of different projects and has and has helped um, the dentistry world in Afghanistan three folds. He has been part of a project which is called Shelter, where they built and they provide different equipments for the dental dental clinics or hospitals that are run by the government or different organizations to help people who don't have enough money to provide for dental treatment. Um, also, he has been part of the dental schools program by providing different trainings and different lectures to the lecturers and also to the students trying to connect the, the European side of education to the Afghan side of the education. And uh, because of that, he is much loved in Herat University and we have great memories from him. He has also been a very, very important part of our dental practice um, for the dental students because he has been helping Herat University um, many times. He provided dental equipment for the for the shelter project which was also um, a practicing school for the interns uh, like a practicing place for the interns of dental school so uh, while we'll be talking with with uh, with mark let's enjoy the first song of the show today just because of the memories of of mark in Afghanistan, I'm going to play this amazing, amazing, lovely song by Fred Smith that I really love a lot. It's called Dust of Ruzgan. Let's enjoy the song and we'll be back in a few minutes. In the ring they call me warlord, my mother calls me Paul. You can call me Private Warren when you're filing your report. As to how I came to be here, this is what I understand. In this hospital in Germany from the Dust of Ruzgan. Just turn 
turned 28 Just bought a new car When you joined the first battalion Of the big one RAR We were next up for deployment In the South Afghanistan To combat the insurgents And the dust of Uruzgan It took seven months of training Just to get into the joint There were push-ups and procedures And there was death by PowerPoint Then the RSO and I course In Ali Al Salam But nothing can prepare For the dust of Ura's game Me and Benny sat together Flying into Kandahar And we sucked back on our near beers In the Camp Baker Bar We were up at 05.30 We were on the Herkin out And in 20 flying minutes We were in the Tarrant Cout We shook hands as the boys ripped out From MRTF1 Pretty soon we're out patrolling In the Afghan summer sun Walking through the green zone To the star in my hand Body armor chafing Through the dust of Ura's gang Chora, working 14 hours a day A mentor and a Kandak from the Afghan 4th Brigade Down through the Herbalucci into eastern Darfshan Working under open skies in the dust of Uruzgan It's a long, long way from Townsville, not like any place you've seen Suddenly you're walking through the 14th century Women under burkas, tribal warlords rule the land Full of goats and huts and jingle trucks as the dust of Uruzgan and the education minister can neither read nor write And the minister for women runs a knock shop there at night And they've been fighting there forever Over water, food and land Murdering each other in the dust of Ura's gang Yeah, there's nothing about the province That's remotely fair or just But worse than the corruption Is the endless bloody dust Fine as talcum powder on the ground and in the air and it gets into your eyes, and it gets into your hair. And it gets into your weapon, and it gets into your boots. And when the bureaucrats all show up here, it gets into their suits. And it gets in the machinery, and it foils every plan. Well, there's something quite symbolic about the dust of Ura's game. Still, the people can be gracious, and they're courteous and smart. And when the children look into your eyes, they walk into your heart. Face each day with courage and each year without a plan. Beyond scratching for survival in the dust of Ura's game. But the Taliban are ruthless, keep the people terrorised. With roadside bombs and hangings and leaving letters in the night. And they have no useful vision for the children of this land. But to keep them praying on their knees in the dust of Ura's game. Saturday morning when the two shop made a call on a compound of interest to the east of Copmashall. We had some information they were building IEDs so we cordoned and we searched it in accord with SOPs. I was on the west flank picket propped there with Ben better keep a watchful eye out while the other blokes went in. 
We knew the signs of danger from the TTPs we'd learned But the Nationals were moving back and forth without concern We'd been static there for hours when I shifted slightly back My foot tripped an AP mine and everything went black I woke up on a gurney, flat out on my back Had to ask him seven times just to get the facts That I lived to tell his story through a simple twist of fate The main charge lay ten feet away from the pressure plate You see the mine was linked by debt cord to a big charge laid by hand Hidden under Benny by the dust of Uruz I was a Queensland champ tie boxer Now I look south of my knee And all I see is bed sheets where my right foot used to be Benny's dead and buried underneath Australian sand But his spirit's out there wandering through the dust Through the dust of Ur's gang Welcome back. That was Fred Smith with The Dust of Uruzgan, a song that never ceased to amaze me. I really, really love it and I keep listening to it and I've played it many times for you all as well. I hope you love it. So today with me, as I said before, in the studio is a piece of my past, someone who has been very, very helpful, who has volunteered many times to help Afghanistan and Afghan dental students. So... um Mark, welcome again on the show. Please um, introduce yourself in your own words to us. Uh, thank you. First of all, I'm, I'm, I was born in 1956 in Belgium, so I'm not a German. <laughs> like uh, you mentioned, uh, the Germans tried to, to in 1445 to, to invade uh, Belgium, but this oh. didn't succeed. So uh, Belgium still exists, just not Germany. Um, <laughs> Yes, what, so I'm, I'm married, uh, still the same wife. Uh, we have two children, one son who is also a dentist. My mother is also a dentist. Uh, that's about it. Um, yeah. That, Nothing that. more to say. <laughs> Oh, that that that's amazing! That's amazing. Uh, uh, so, uh, so Doctor Mark, you know, I that that is my habit. We've called you Doctor Mark so many times that I can't go back to Mark. So I'm going to call you that if you're happy with it. So, uh, tell us, how did it all begin? How did it occur to you to start uh, volunteering in Afghanistan? What's the story behind it? Well, um, let's say it, it, I became dentist in eighty two, nineteen eighty two. And then after 20, 25 years, I went back to university because dentistry gave me everything I wanted in my life. I had a good wife, a good family, no war. I had uh, 
a car, a house, food, everything. So I felt it's now my turn to do something back for my my my, uh, my dentistry. So I went back to university and I became a lecturer, um, especially for students to pra give practice in in, in the in, in drilling and filling teeth, but not on the level of the clinical level, but on the preclinical level. I will tell you later about that. Dental students normally they start uh, treating extracted teeth, for example, that's not directly on, on human beings. So how did it start? Um, I was sitting in my chair with my laptop in 2016, uh, January 2016, and from nowhere I came on a site from Sheltenau International, but a Dutch part of the Sheltenau, and I, I saw a picture of a dental school, a new dental clinic, and it was a training center that was the, the purpose. It was a training center for the students for the University of Herat. So I, I, I uh, mailed to those people and I got a, a, a telephone on a Sunday afternoon. Normally I never take a telephone in the weekends because always patients with tooth pain and things like that. But I took a telephone and uh, there was a girl I said, yes, you know, we are a Catholic organization and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I don't give, sorry for the word, I don't give a shit about who you are. What is important for me as a student and I really want to help. And then they said, and they were right, we don't send anybody for a few weeks because you have to learn the language and things like that. Okay. But after a while, I got uh, an email from Ewald, which is the... The, the, the man in, in Afghanistan from shelter now and uh, when I told him I was lecturer at university and we, and we got a click together I said hey well we don't uh, can do it over the telephone I go to the embassy I will ask for a visa I will buy a ticket and I come to Iraq and that's what I did and so it started um, and then I, I have to to inform myself about Afghanistan because it's another world. It's not we know the world here in, in, in Ireland, and you know better than me that uh, Afghanistan it's totally out of the box. It's <laughs> yeah. completely out of the world. And uh, so I start to read a lot about Afghanistan, and also uh, I had a, a patient uh, from Holland who had a project in Afghanistan. Um, I don't remember the name, but that was in technical schools and he did about the same thing I have done later for the dentist, he did it for technical schools. And uh, I, I went to him and we had long talks and, and he said, yes, you have to take care about that and, and that and that and that. So I, yeah, by reading books and, and talking to people who were in Afghanistan, also military, um, I got a small vision about Afghanistan because Afghanistan nobody goes to Afghanistan so it's like a magic place and I to be honest I wanted to go in the 80s to Afghanistan um, with my motorbike <laughs> but uh, yeah. those, those yeah. were really magical times those were magical those times those were magical times but then the Russians came and I I started to, to date my wife and things like that and it never happened but F, somewhere in my brain the word Afghanistan is was still there. 
Yeah. So I, in 2016, I went for the first time to Afghanistan. Wow. And that was that. As simple as that. That, that, that is amazing. And you know, you, t you, you said about going to Afghanistan on your motorbike. I remember I, I met a retired dentist here in Ireland who, who told me a story of his brother who went to Afghanistan in the late 1970s from Ireland. He went to Italy, bought a car and drove to Afghanistan. And yes, a lot of people did. Yeah, and for someone like me who is born in war and has never seen Afghanistan in peace, this was um, such a good piece of memory thinking that, wow, my country was at peace once and um, it was a place for tourism and a place where people want to go and be happy and enjoy. So yes, that but, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but in, in those years, uh, you could go to Afghanistan and you can smoke weed there. Wow. So we were the Holland of the world then. <laughs> so a lot of people who went to Afghanistan were, uh, it was also the flower power period, so they could uh, use wheat and they could use, I don't know, uh, heroin and things like that. It was not because it, and it, the, the people were very nice. That's yeah. true. But I heard so, so stories of other people who, who went there in the 70s, 80s, yes. Definitely, definitely. So, 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 so that, so at that time, Afghanistan was the hippie world, Hi yes, hippie of part of the world. The hippie yeah, world. <laughs> the hippie world. So, um, so, Dr. Mark, tell us about your projects, different projects in Afghanistan, uh, and how did you feel? Um, now you're asking another question. Um, okay. Can I talk first about my my? My arrival in Afghanistan. Yes, yes, I please, please I do. Came, um, I remember very well. Okay, I, I was in Kabul. They said, "Don't go on street. Stay in the airport." So I did everything. So I waited six hours for my next plane to Herat. And there was a guy sitting next to me. We had a good talk. He was uh, sp spoke English very well. Um, and when we came to Herat, he said, "I want to drive you to your." hotel or said no no they, they come pick me up I, I stay with somebody and and he took me in his arms and he said to me welcome to Afghanistan I never never experienced that in my life I never experienced that I go in a foreign country where I know nobody where I don't speak the language that somebody hugs me and said welcome to my country oh. and at that moment I felt like I'm home very strange feeling very oh. strange feeling and okay, so what was, I was, I was, yeah, how do you call that in English? I don't know. It was magic. Magic. So, so you uh, directly went to Herat or first you went to Kabul? No, I landed in, I, I, I took the airplane from Brussels to Istanbul, Istanbul, Kabul, and Kabul, Herat. It was a very long flight because I had to wait six hours at the airport because I didn't know anything about Afghanistan. And so they said, uh, don't go out of the airport. Even mm -hmm. if you have to wait uh, six hours, 12 hours, don't go out of the airport. So I stayed at the airport first time. Okay. Yes. So, um, Mark, what were your observations of Afghanistan? the dental educations and students as a whole? Um, I remember I, I, I came to Herat and, and 
it was late in the evening. I had 36 hour travel behind me and, and Ewald said, yeah, we have a party for you. We have a kebab. <laughs> so <laughs> I was so tired. I met Dr. Zamir, which, you know, and uh, then I go to sleep. And then the next day I had to go directly to the university and I was presented like, I don't know what, but I was really next to all the other people on, on, on in the classroom and I was presented as, I don't know <laughs> what they said, about me. but I remember very well the classroom, the left and the right part, the left part were the boys and the right part were the girls, they were not mixed. And I wanted to take a picture and I took the picture of the boys and they were all uh, um, pointing directly in my lens and I wanted to take the girls and they all put their head down because they wanted want to go on the picture. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, it, it was very positive. They were highly motivated. They were well educated theoretically, but they had no practical training so far. And also at that moment, um, it was the, the, the stomatology faculty just started in Herat uh, due to Dr. Sina, which you know very well. So uh, to, I don't know if dentistry students are listening, but in, in Belgium, we, we, from the first year, we, also, we start also drilling in, in small, not in teeth, but in small plastic uh, boxes or something. And also they have to, to make a tooth and, and plaster uh, carving. Then we see a little bit about the uh, agility, agility, I would call it this. Mm -hmm. And then the second year, they start drilling on plastic teeth, which was called Frasaco. And the third year, they do the same on extracted teeth and start root canal treatment on extracted teeth. And then in Afghanistan, they said, okay, we have to, we want to do a root canal treatment. We just take a patient and we do root canal treatment. Yeah. And uh, also, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was a, a lack of practical training, but they knew all the latest techniques and also they wanted them. So they asked me for um, a, a digital X-ray machine. And I said, why do you need a digital X-ray machine? Yes, we, we just want it. They said, I said, yes, but you can start with developing X-rays. So that was also, I, I, I found that they, they wanted to start on the top of the mountain but they don't want to climb the mountain. You see, I remember they, they, they all want to do implants, 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 which is high-end dentistry. But I said to the students, just try to do a good extraction, a good one, a good anesthesia, a good extraction, because your people need no, they don't need implants today. They need dentists who can do extraction, the basic, basic dentistry. And uh, there was also a very big difference between girls and boys. The boys, they have a big ego in, in Afghanistan. They, they think they are, I don't know what. They, 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 um, when they are admitted at the university and the faculty of stomatology, they already think from the first day that they are dentists. And the girls, they, they are taking with both hands the fact that they can and may study now, which was not possible before, or more difficult before, which is not possible now again. So at that time, the girls were 
super enthusiastic. Well, far more better students than the boys in my eyes. So, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that you said that. Uh, you know, um, um, being someone who has observed dentistry in Afghanistan, you know, firsthand, and um, I didn't study uh, in Afghanistan myself, so many of the many of the practices was very strange to me as well. Um, and finally, I understood it is maybe it's it's because, as you said, the ego that many of the students have that they think that basic dentistry is something very simple. Um, but maybe implants or some higher techniques. They, if if they learn that, then they can can be called, you know, like good dentists. But slowly, slowly, as they grow up, you know, the ladder of dentistry, then they understand that no, that's not true. And the more they get introduced to the practical knowledge, the more they understand what they like, what they lack, you know. And um, yes, girls, as you said, um, you know, like. I've talked about girls many times in this show, and uh, I'm glad that you remember them the same way that I remember them. So, um, so, uh, so, please share with us some different forms of help and assistance that you provided, and what were the outcomes? Oh, well, I, as you remember, think. I tried to give 100% of myself when I was in Afghanistan. So um, what's very important is, is teaching. Um, what, what could we do? I could teach myself a little bit, but okay, that's a, a small bit. I could also use, because Dr. Sina, he, he managed to have a, a kind of satellite internet um, connection. So I asked some professors from my university to give lectures from Belgium directly to Herat University, which was very fun to do. Um, what did I do? Oh, um, not to going in detail, but when you have to work on extracted teeth, it's better that you have a kind of setting where it um, it reflects a little bit the the, the the reality. So we put those teeth in plaster models, and then we put those plaster models in phantom heads in our university. So they didn't have all those things. Um, so I made myself, because I also a little bit can weld, I, I made my own uh, phantom head with tubes and bones from scrap metal, things you can find all over the world, and it doesn't cost anything. Also plaster you can find, and extracted teeth, I'm sure you can find in Afghanistan. So at that moment, I presented them an, an, a way to start their preclinical phase, low cost. You don't need to have high-end preclinic to, to, to try to, to, to for, for learning, to, to drilling and, and teeth. So what did I do more? Um, I brought some material, but good material, uh, like composite, composite anesthesia, needles, because what I saw also that most materials who come from abroad are not good. 
extraction devices, burrs, installations, X-ray machines, and so on. Um, when I came back to Belgium, I got telephones from dentists. Oh, Dr. Mark, we have two installations for you for Afghanistan. I said, no, I don't want them. Why do you not want them? Because it's crap. It's 20 years old, and uh, you are too lazy to go to container park to put your own your old installation there. Yeah, but we also have an X-ray machine, which is working fine. Yes, but you bought a new one. So the old one, maybe it's not working very good. And also you have to pay to, I don't know, the, the control atom system in Belgium to uh, demolish your X-ray. So you don't want to pay your, your, for your X-ray machine to demolish it. And uh, then at last I said, we are not a container park. I don't know if you have that in, in Ireland, container park. But there you can put all your trash. And the third world, if it's now Africa or Afghanistan or another country who is in need for material, we are not the container park of the Western uh, society. So I, sometimes they find me arrogant, but that's the truth. And uh, also, I sent a 30-foot container to, to Afghanistan with good material, but it's cheaper to to buy, for example, a dental unit in Afghanistan than to send a dental unit from here to Afghanistan. I remember in the bazaar, um, I could buy a, a complete dental installation for three, four thousand dollars. Um, yeah, uh, here it's thirty thousand, thirty, forty thousand dollars for a, a good dental installation. And also, when you buy locally, you, you it's better for the, the, the Afghan economy. You have also a guarantee, and you have a technician who will come and make it work. So why not buying at the local? And um, what did I do more, or so many? Uh, organization of, of the shelves in, in the clinic. I remember also I had to extract the tooth. I, you take a shelf, you open it, one, 100 extraction devices, so then you have to search and a lot of time is lost. And then uh, I remember I, I said, we will do it like that, upper, lower, left, right. And, you know, so small things, small things. What I also did, I especially in the first year, I treated a lot of patients where the students come, can, could come and um, follow the treatment, what we called over the shoulder. And that was, again, Afghanistan. The boys came in the, uh, in the morning and the girls in the afternoon, but never together. Uh, I also talked to what we could call more important people to get things done, like screening at school. We screened 2,300 children at the school. We made of that um, a master thesis, and, and I think it's published now in one of our... Um, uh, it's also it's, it's published in I think I don't know I don't know I have to ask the university but it's published now um, also the, the building of the Shakiban clinic we made a small two chair clinic in Shakiban which is between Herat and the border of uh, Iran um, and, and the fact that I'm, I am a, a foreigner they didn't understand why me, as a dentist, 
without any, um, how do you call it in English? I don't know. Without any benefits for myself, living in a, a having a good life in a, a non-zone, non-war zone, I'm coming to the country where everybody wants to come to my country. They didn't understand it. Why I, I, I do that? I said, just because I love my job. And that's all. So um, I have sent a 30-foot container that I called already. And the most important thing I find for myself is I there was a, a dental nurse, Malicha. I don't know if you remember her. Yeah, yeah, I do, definitely. Uh, a very, very yeah. intelligent, so, very intelligent girl. Yes, yes. When I came first in 2016, we had some dentists and also Malicha. And for me, Malicha, who was a dental nurse at that time, for me, she was the best dentist. So in 2017, when I came back, I asked Malicha, do you want to become a dentist? She said, yes, of course. I said, okay, you can go to university. I will pay for you your studies five years. What I did. And now she is a full dentist and... Thanks God, she can work also now. I got uh, a picture from Sorab uh, yesterday that uh, from Alicha who is working now in the clinic as a dentist, full dentist. So that's, in fact, that's my best investment. That, that Because when, 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 you, when you go to, to a country and you said, okay, what you see a lot, they go with a group of 10 dentists, we go to Morocco and they go there and they go extract teeth, they, they extract 2,000 teeth. And then they say, bye, we're going home now. What did you do? It's not long term. You, you, you just extracted 1,000 or 2,000 teeth. But when you pay somebody her studies, and she's a dentist, you can help other people for 25, 30, 35 years. Uh, and that was my goal, to do something which is sustainable. And paying studies of somebody is sustainable. Definitely, definitely. And, and you know, um, as someone who has seen all this hard work, I will tell you that the outcome of Would your project, um, you know, as, as someone who has seen the, the outcome of your project, the outcome of your work, um, from standing from the other side, you know, I can tell you that the work that you did in Afghanistan was many fold. It was it was a work that even after you left, um, because of all the equipments that you brought, the um, training, um, the, the, the training clinic that you helped to start and build in Afghanistan, especially in Herat, Afghanistan, that helped four generations, four batches of dentists to work there as interns to get that knowledge and then they were able to work as junior dentists and it's in i think in its own it's it's a very very big achievement maliha as well she was a very very intelligent girl but she was someone who needed help financial help and i talked with her many times and um i was very surprised that she being married and having i, I think at that time one or two children and still she was taking time to study also she was working full time as a dental nurse and studying at the same time and raising a family and she was doing very very well and also managing the clinic in many many points so um that yeah and that is also something that that is something that we don't see every day you know like people like her they really need support and you did that no. 
and now her future is made. There are so many girls who are not allowed to go practice anywhere else or didn't have the options, but they were able to work in shelter clinic and they learned uh, different forms of general dentistry, like extractions and fillings and simple root canals. And that helped them in their future a lot. There are thousands of patients who didn't have money for any type of dental treatment because in Afghanistan, we don't have any medical cards. We don't have any uh, specific governmental supports for different treatments. But shelter, uh, shelter dental clinic at that time was, though it was small, but it still it served many, many, many patients. And many people got treated, both children and adults. So... The outcomes of your project was really, really great. So we'll be continuing talking to Dr. Mark. And while we're doing that, let's listen to another song. And this time it is song is called Heaven. And it's from Sheehan Ducrot. And we'll take a short break while talking to him.
Welcome back. That was a lovely, lovely song, and it's been very famous on the radio, Heaven. So, um, talking about heaven, Afghanistan is not heaven for Afghan women nowadays. As, as you know, since August 2021, arrival of Taliban, life has become darker and darker every day for Afghan women. And it is not something very easy to tolerate. It, it needs lots of courage and patience and a lot of bravery to be an Afghan woman at this, at this age and time and to live in Afghanistan. And it is not easy. So, um, Mark, being someone who has seen the good times of, of, of Afghan women, I know even those times was not very, very good, but still it was much better than today because we had the freedom to study, we had the freedom to follow our dreams. And now that Taliban are there um, and girls are not allowed to study past grade six, let alone to go to university, they're not allowed to, do, to, do, to work. Dental students who have graduated, they are not allowed to take examination for licensing or to take an exam to be part of the students for specialization or for those who were in internship and they had studied five very hard years, but they were not allowed to graduate. How do you feel about this? And what is your idea of the future that would be? in the western world we afghanistan was was uh, the land of the terror the terrorists we had al-qaeda we had isis uh, at some bases there but that's true it's a land of terror but it's also the land of terror inside the family you uh, you mentioned the girls who can study but it's the father who has to approve that and the family who has to approve that a girl uh, goes to the school which is not always the same and even when she has a degree from like a dentist and she is married uh, her husband maybe uh, could say you don't go to work because they they feel not how do you call that um, it's not proper that the wife should go work to gain money for the family normally it's the man who take care of the family and they some some guys don't want really don't want that the wives goes out of work of or am i wrong i don't think so no no you're not wrong uh, that is the okay. that is what the most population of afghan women suffer from yeah that's true yeah so it's a family terror also but uh, how should i see the future it's it's bad it's, no country in the world is recognizing the taliban as a government that's one thing so you can't negotiate with a land who has no proper government. There's no work now, there's no money, there's no proper health care. Loans are not paid and so on and so on and so on. And everybody with which I am speaking, they, they want to leave Afghanistan, which is very bad because all the intelligent people are trying to go to, to, to leave the country, what they call a, a brain drain. Everybody who worked for the U.S. government could go to the United States, or a lot of them. A lot of them went to Germany, a lot of them came to Europe, wherever. But they, they, 
the, the poor man who is not so intelligent who can't read or write he is uh, sometimes forced to stay in Afghanistan because he can't he has no money to, to leave um, nevertheless what I see that in, in my um, in, in dentistry uh, they are improving um, but 50% of the dentists they cannot work because of their gender yeah. and that's a shame um, but the, the guys who are working they still send me after all those years x-rays from a, a root canal treatment they did and I said wow okay good or um, yeah they also uh, Chinese labs came into Afghanistan and so the the crowns and things like that, the more expensive treatments are more better, much better than, than five, ten years ago. And uh, I see very nice work, but that's only for the happy few. Yeah. Uh, they all want to gain money. And uh, I don't want to gain money anymore because I had enough. And that's why I went to the university. I, I, I went back to university, but I was never paid by the university. So I did it for free because I had enough. But I understand as a young dentist you want to gain money. But you should work 50% for the money and 50% for the people. That means that those other 50%, the, the rich people, they should pay for the poor people. So that the poor guy also had his extraction for free. Um, what, what makes me sad is that I... In my container also, um, there was a, a pre-clinic for about uh, 40 people. Um, we renewed the, the, the big pre-clinic at the University of Ghent. So I put those uh, pre-clinic devices all in a container together with wheelchairs and, and, and clothes and, and all you can imagine. But I never got an update. What's, I know that the container was arrived in Herat, they opened it, but I never got an update what they did with all the material. They even thought a little bit about the uh, the content of the container. No, it's mine. No, it's not mine. No, it's for the provincial hospital. No, 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 it's for the university. No, no. So I had to intervene and um, I had a Skype meeting um, with, uh, with the new leaders of uh, university, which were Taliban the time with an interpreter but we had a good conversation but at the end they said yes can you give us some money to, to build something I said no I can't do that so it's it's very sad they they they, they want to, to, to govern a country but they don't have money and you can't do anything without money yeah so what's the future for Afghanistan uh, not good not good they have there is something to have to change um, very quickly, or a lot of people will will you know, starvation from hunger, things like that. I don't know what will happen in Afghanistan. Also, there was a big earthquake. Nobody talks about it. I know from Ewald that in Herat, twenty-five thousand families now today are still homeless because of the earthquake six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. This That's is true. difficult. Very <laughs> difficult. Very difficult. And uh, um, I'm, I'm still in contact with many of the female students. And when I talk to them and they tell me their story and how they feel 
um, it breaks my heart because uh, all the dreams and all the wishes, wishes and and whatever aims they had for their future, that is all gone. The only option they have left is to get married and start a home. But that is not what they want. They, what they want is to finish their education. What they want is to continue their work. What they want is to re to to get their dream to become a dentist. Or if they cannot become a dentist, at least uh, work in the same field of dentistry. At least be able to have the freedom to choose that. And losing normally can't choose their husband also. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you know, um, and they, and they are very lucky if they have a good husband. Yeah, life, as I said, is not easy for Afghan women, especially no. in this at this age and time. Many of the of the very brave Afghan girls that I know, some of them were able to leave the country, reach to different other areas, um, and you know, start working and studying. But still, that is a pity because uh, we are dispersed as a nation. Most of our education, as our educated people, have left the country. Those who are left, they are struggling really hard to reach a point. And at the same time, it breaks my heart to see the men are thriving without even a, a single worry that what's happened to the women, why they are not among us anymore. But to be honest, I'm not hopeful either that what will happen of our future. So, Dr. Mark, would you like but to... You can't, you, you can't lose hope. If you lose hope, you lose everything. Do you think, uh, do you think is there any way to, like, to, to help Afghan women at this age and time? Uh, yes, I can marry them and bring them to Belgium. <laughs> that's, that's not the solution. <laughs> uh, well, that, that's not going uh, to work. <laughs> yeah, that's not long term. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, there, there was somebody said, it's a book also, I think, um, Afghanistan is not a country for women, which is a pity, because it's a very, very nice country. You have very nice people in Afghanistan. I met the most amazing people in Afghanistan. Um, a, a friend of me wrote a book. It's in, in Dutch. It's called Vrouwen zonder land. Uh, she, she is from Mothers from Peace. And the book is, uh, the title is Women Without Country. And uh, it's the story that you know about uh, young women who are beaten by their husband. All those stories, yeah. uh, you know them, thousands of them. And then what I also read once is a woman in Afghanistan has two questions. The first question is from why I am a woman. And the second question is why in Afghanistan? Um, Being an Afghan woman myself, I can say that that is true. That is true, especially at this age and time. It's very, yeah. very difficult. And then you, you cannot rebuild a country and excluding women from society. The women are more powerful than men. That you know, we see that in every country. Um, when, a, a, when there was a war, a lot of men died, but then, uh, and it's the women who will rebuild the country. And then the piece, I told you already before, a piece of land is not a country without a woman. It's like 
I, I don't make the, the, the connection, but uh, there's a proverb that said, um, a home without a dog is not a house, or a house without a dog is not a home. And the yeah. same, a land without women is not a country. And what? how can we help? We, we can't help. The, what they need is education. The, the women, for the, 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 when they can't read and can't write, which was one generation ago like that, uh, they are excluded from, from, from society. So they, the first thing they have to learn is reading and writing. And if they, if they can, if, if they can read and write, you can't take it off, never. But you also need a special education for the men. Because the men, they, 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 I don't know what's in their brains, but they, um, they're, they're extremely jealous. Um, I, I, when I was in Afghanistan, I didn't have fear of Taliban, but I, I feared the husband of Malikha because I paid her studies. And maybe he was thinking, maybe he has something with my wife. And that should cost me my life, I'm sure. But i tell you one, one thing more. It's not, um, I respect a lot of women, a lot. But I had a patient, he had a dog. He was a hunter and he had a dog. And one day his dog died and he said to me, ah, Mark, I had a very good dog, a very good dog. He did everything I, I wanted. But I had to beat him a lot. I said, whoa. And uh, I had a dog also, gold retriever. And I learned at school because I went to school with my dog. You have to... Um, a balloon in, in English, you have to, um, I don't know the word, you, you don't beat your dog. When your dog is doing something good, you reward him yeah. with, with a, a cookie or something. And that they don't understand in Afghanistan. Men are, I, I got a question that says it all. I got a question, do you beat your wife? I said, no, why should I beat my wife? How does she listen to you? I was astonished. They don't know that their wives, they do everything for their husband because they fear their husband. A lot of them, not all, but a lot of them. They are just in fear of their husband. And as you know, in Herat, there's a special clinic for burnt ladies who yeah. try to kill themselves with, uh, with petrol. Um, yeah, and, and those things you hear a lot in Afghanistan. Uh, can we help them? No, I, I don't think we really can help them. We have to make that they don't lose hope, that's one thing. And uh, it's the country itself, the, the, the healing of the country should come from inside. The men should go on the street. The, they, they have to fight the system if it's Taliban or Hunting. But they, I don't think uh, Afghanistan is ready for a democracy like we have. But they should have a nice government who take care of the people. And that is not happening now. The Taliban is just taking care of themselves and not of the people of Afghanistan. So it has to go. I, I always thought after three, two, three years, there will be a revolution, but it didn't happen yet. Well, uh, all we could do is, Mark, just, we can, we can just hope. We can just hope for the best. We can create awareness. And as you said, the healing must come from within. And this is not a good time to be an Afghan woman because 
right now it's been two years and seven months that Afghan women are without education, job or freedom. And this will continue unless until we all get united and fight for them. Uh, Don't forget the children. Don't forget the children. Definitely, definitely, yeah. So, well, yes, when, they, when they continue like that, there is a new generation which is lost in Afghanistan. And sadly, that's happening right now. So, well, the time flew by, Dr. Mark. Thank you so much for being with us on the show. It was really a privilege. Thank you for your insight and your your review. And thank you for all your hard work that you did in Afghanistan. And Thank you very much. And I hope we see each other soon. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. So... So you're listening to Radio UCC 98.3 FM. This is My Life in a Suitcase with Manija. And we had an amazing guest with us today, Dr. Mark Wright, live from uh, Belgium. And we were listening to him, his all, all of his hard work in Afghanistan, Herat, for both men and women, students of dentistry. And now all of that has gone into waste, all 20, 22 years of hard work of everyone who tried to make Afghanistan a better place, including me, that has gone into waste. Afghan women are, ter- are suffering terribly and they need our help. And the ones who, and many, many of them have become refugee with the coming, coming week of refugee week. We need to remember and be kind and compassionate to do, to, to those who ran away from terror, who ran away from a place that was not kind to them anymore. They have come here to find peace, to find freedom, to find a, a little place to, to call home and live. So with that, we finish our show today. Uh, we'll meet. Next week, same time, same place with another amazing guest. And it's nearly five o'clock in the studio. Enjoy your week and have a lovely, lovely week ahead of you. And let's meet same time, same place next time in My Life in a Suitcase with Manisha. Until then, bye. Look, look at you.